Welcome to another message from Columbus First Assembly. Thanks for listening as we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God. Our hope is that you're encouraged by today's message. I was raised Catholic. I started going into that rebellious stage. I was a teenage alcoholic, um, which led through my whole entire adult life. Left the church. I had female-female relations from the time I was 15. And by the time I was in my early 20s, 21 or so, I became a full-fledged lesbian and lived a homosexual life for 35 years. I used to own FedEx routes and I found myself in one of the trucks and I found a Christian station that I didn't know was Christian. He asked for, um, do you want to repent of your sins? And that voice said, pull over. That moment I bawled and bawled and bawled like I never cried in my whole entire life. And I knew that I was a sinner, that I was in need of forgiveness. I got married to a wonderful man named Ray. And he passed away on April 28th. 2017 of a heart attack at the age of 53. Um, I was at the hospital and I was standing over him and I said, you don't owe me an explanation. I said, I'm not going to ask you why. The only question I'm going to ask you is, what do you have planned for me now? I found myself in Cuba on a missions trip in 2018. And uh, it was there that I found myself in a hotel. He said, this is what I want for you. I didn't want to believe that he was calling me to missions. Could not believe it. I am going to leave it be until I get ordained in May. And I said, and if the calling persists after that, then I know that you're calling me to do this. So the Dominican is where I'm going. I'm going to be dealing with sexual abuse for women, uh, sex trafficking. The name of my website is he said-go.com. He said go. I said yes, Lord. Yeah. Our God is incredible transformation of life that can take place and the people that he calls. As a matter of fact, he's called every single one of us. Now, maybe not to go to the Dominican or to a mission field of some type, but every single one of us is called to be used by him in advancing the kingdom, whether it's in the school that you attend, whether it's in your workplace, whether it's in your neighborhood, whether it's at the place you volunteer, he has called you. What has been your response? We have a special guest this morning. Um, he was called. He had to get saved first, but that did happen. He did get saved. His uh, wife had some influence there. He was called out of being an IRS agent. God can call people from all kinds of places out of a homosexual lesbian lifestyle, out of the IRS, 
Because God wants to use people to reach his world. Pastor Tim McNamee is our special guest today. He is coming up. He is the, now I've heard him call himself the lead missionary at Blue Tassel Farm, which is one of our mission support. He and his family have been part of our church for several years now, and he is a great preacher, and I'll make sure that you are not muted, my friend. You are not. Would you come and bring us the word of God? Let's give a warm welcome to Pastor Tim. Thank you, Pastor Rick. Your water. Well, it's good to be here again, as always. I, I was noticing something, and something that's uh, been a trend since Pastor Rick has probably been three or four weeks since he contacted me about speaking today and wasn't really sure on exactly what God wanted me to speak on. Had a lot going on at the farm, uh, a lot of things happening, and got around to it just uh, several days ago and began to think about what it is that God would want me to say. And from the moment that I chose this message that I wanted to speak, things began to happen in other people around me to confirm that. One of those things that happened was, uh, I don't know how well you guys know, maybe I'm, we've been here three or four or five years, I can't even remember now, um, but our pastor and his wife are fantastic teachers. And just this past, was it Friday night? I can't even keep my days straight. Uh, when, and Pastor uh, Sherry shared in our, our minister's uh, banquet little thing that we had going on and she began to touch on some things and the more she talked the more I'm thinking I picked the right message to bring to Columbus First Assembly of God she was touching on things that God had already spoke to my heart she was speaking about things that were were clear confirmation for me and I'm excited that we've got pastors like this for us and I, I want to say a few things here okay I'm excited about several things and it all goes with our sermon Where, where's uh, Nathaniel at where you at? Where's the worship worship team? Just stand up for a minute. Just everybody on the worship team, just stand up for a minute. And you guys up there in the sound booth. Now let me tell you something. We have an awesome worship team. I mean, I and you can feel the power and presence of God. And, and I've seen Nathaniel just develop and change over the last couple of years and everybody on stage. And I'm just blown away by the worship we have. You guys can sit down because later on I'm going to touch on that a little bit. I'm blown away by the people that I'm seeing in our church these days. And I'm not here a lot. I won't be here tonight because I'm going to be at another church. And I travel a lot because I'm a missionary. That's what I do. And I'm a lead missionary, all right? I'm saying that clearly today because I work at a place called Blue Tassel Farm that is full of missionaries. I want the missionaries from Blue Tassel Farm to stand up. The rest of the missionaries from Blue Tassel Farm. That's Caden and my whole family that's here today. So we're, we're honored because you guys support us and you believe in us so much. And even through the pandemic, you're sending workers out. And I'm saying all kinds of stuff. I didn't really plan on saying, Pastor Rick, but we're going to get it all in, I promise. Because I got my clock on the floor and you didn't step on it, so I ought to be okay. Um, but I'm excited about what's happening in our church. I'm excited about our young people. I'm going to touch on that for just a minute. What I noticed today, though, was Pastor Evan's head is bigger than everybody else's on the screen when we're stabbed. Did you guys notice that? Did you notice his head is bigger than the rest of the staff? It's probably because he preached a great message last week, and it was awesome, and he's got the big head and all that kind of stuff. So, But I love him because I see what's happening in our youth, and we're going to talk about them today. Because today I want to talk to you about this issue, shutting the door. That's the title of the message, shut the door. 
And I want to talk to you about the things in our lives and the places that we go to and the, the milestones that we cover, the ones that we pass through. Pastor Sherry was talking about this, this issue in her life and how she got on the other side of it. You see, if you don't get on the other side of the issue, you're not where God is. God's pushing you to get to you where he wants you to be, but you got to get through that door and then shut that door behind you. And don't let it be the issue in your life any longer that's keeping you from being where God wants you to be. And there's all kinds of doors in our lives that we need to shut. We always say, God, open a door, right? So when we started the farm and we started our mission, we had five farms we were going to settle on. And only one of them was where we are now, obviously. But we didn't ask God to open the right door. We asked him to shut four of them. And then we would know for sure to walk through the fifth. And he did that systematically, shut down those other opportunities for us to be where we are. And now we are home. We are where I would call my home. Kathy's up from northern Indiana and James is from Ohio. But I'm from here. This is home. And did that play a little bit of role in, in our decision? Absolutely not. We weren't even thinking about coming here, home near where I live when we set out. But God shut these other doors, and here we are at home. And we've been blessed so much because we're at home, and family and friends and high school classmates and, and just acquaintances from all over this area have jumped on board with our mission. How many think God knew we needed to go home? And he opened the door to home. And we talk about prodigals. They need to come home. And we got to make sure the doors are open, and when they get in, Shut them. Shut the door behind them. Make them feel so welcomed and loved and let God minister to them. In fact, I want the ushers to go ahead and lock the doors from the outside so that nobody, I'm just kidding. I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy. But I will tell you this. I'm the guy that likes to see the open door, get through it, and shut it and padlock that thing behind me. And I want to talk to you today about three things in our lives that we need to get to. Number one, shutting the door on your miracles. Now, it's going to make sense when I get to it. And the second thing will be shutting the door on our measure. And thirdly, shutting the door by your master. Allowing him to shut the door in your life. So turn to 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 27. In a moment, I'm going to introduce you to another a young lady that impacted my life this past week. And we're going to bring her up in just a second. But let me talk to you a little bit about this story. and let me, let me set the scene for you a little bit. Some people might think I'm a little crazy about what I'm about to say. This is my interpretation of this scripture. You can have your own interpretation if you want. But this is my interpretation or what I believe might have been going on at this time. It's about Elisha, and he was a traveling prophet. One town he visited often was a town called Shunem. We get that from the Shunammite woman. So a woman, here she is, and her husband, recognizing him as a man of God, built him a special room for him to rest and eat when he came. Elisha was so appreciative of their hospitality that he began to investigate what he could do for her in return. And we're going to pick up the story in just a minute. He sends Gehazi, his servant, to investigate. Rip, what's he investigating? He's trying to figure out what can I do for this woman who's been so kind for me as a man of God and a prophet traveling. He finds out she is without children. So Elisha prophesies her pregnancy and the birth of her child within a year. Now remember, he, he found out she was without child. He didn't ask her, would you like to have a child? He found out she was without child and decided, 
I'm going to prophesy her pregnancy into existence within a year. To which she responded when she found out, no, please don't deceive me. That seems weird, right? What was she saying? Please don't deceive me. In other words, I'm not sure I can, don't, don't play with me. I want, don't play with me. Don't deceive me. Don't be talking things like that because how many people have said things to you that didn't happen? Uh-huh, deceived you a little bit, right? Yeah, raise your hand if you're honest in this room today. Okay, we got seven, so we're good. That's the number of God. We got seven. Her son was born, and one day he got sick and died in her arms. Remember the story. He prophesied it into existence. She didn't necessarily ask for it because she was fearful that it wouldn't happen, and then when it did happen, her son died in her arms. And we're going to pick it up in verse 27, if you'll get there. I'm going to have to put these on. For those of you that don't know, I'm legally blind, and so we have to sometimes use sunglasses. So. It says, now when she came to the man of God, she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to her, pushed her away, but the man of God said, let her alone, for her soul is in deep distress. And the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. Hold on to that for a minute. Think about that. Let that resonate in your spirit. Let me continue. So she said, did I ask a son of my Lord? In other words, no, I did not. Did I ask a son of my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, get yourself ready and take my staff in your hand. And be on your way. If you meet anyone, do not greet them. If anyone greets you, do not answer him. But lay my staff on the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. In other words, no, don't be sending your staff. You're the one that gave me the baby. Let's go. We're heading to my house. Now Gehazi went on ahead of them and laid the staff on the face of the child. But there was no voice nor hearing. Therefore, he went back to meet him and told him, saying, The child has not awakened. When Elijah came into the house, there was the child lying dead on the bed. Now listen to this in verse 33. He went in, therefore, and shut the door. Everybody say, shut the door behind the two of them, and he prayed to the Lord. And he went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands, and he stretched himself out on the child, and the flesh of the child became warm. And then it says in verse 35, he returned and walked back and forth in the house. And again, went up and stretched himself out on him. Then the child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. I want to talk to you today about how some miracles have to happen behind closed doors. Some miracles have to take place when nobody else is watching, when nobody else sees you. And while many will say this miracle was for the Shumanite woman, I believe it was for Elisha. 
This is my interpretation. Now, I could be wrong, but what if Elisha, who was just a human being like you and I, we've got to remember that when we think about our great heroes of the Bible, they were just men and women like you and I. What if Elijah, who's just a human being like you and I, started to become prideful and full of himself? What if he was beginning to lose his grip on reality? What if he began to think his staff was empowered by himself? And that I can just send my staff to do the miracle. Instead of being God's staff empowered by God. Is that possible? I know we're all watching the the chosen and it's their interpretation of what Jesus was doing as he walked with his disciples. This is my interpretation. I believe it because I've seen it. I've seen people get power hungry. I've seen people think that it's about them and not about God anymore when it started being about God. Let's look at the evidence. Caden and I always get into these battles and he's never won one yet, but we always bring out the evidence. Now that he's three inches taller than me because of his hair, he thinks he's bigger than me. But beyond that, he's not taller than me. Verse 27 shows us that the Lord is playing a little hide-and-seek with Elijah. Did you, did you pick, that, pick up on that? Playing a little hide-and-seek with his number one man, with his number one prophet, the miracle worker, Elisha. Look at it again. It says this. Now, when she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet, but Gehazi came near and pushed her away. But the man of God said, let her alone, for her soul is in deep distress, and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. The Lord didn't just not tell Elijah the scripture says he hid it from Elijah. Why would he do such a thing? Meaning this, it will take more than a word this time to bring about life. It's going to take more than the staff to bring about life. It's going to take more than you sending someone ahead and laying, laying it, the staff on the boy to bring about life. Evidence number two, his staff had no effect on the boy. Verse 31 says that at the laying on of the staff, there was neither voice nor hearing. Why? After all, he had struck the waters of the Jordan and Elijah's cloak. The water parted. This is what Elisha expected to happen when he sent his servant ahead to lay the staff on the boy. He expected the report to be, he's alive. Because he's seen it in his ministry. The cloak into the impure waters of Jericho. He cast salt in the water and the water was cleansed. This was a guy who was used to using props to see miracles happen. And here's my favorite in 2 Kings chapter 2 verse 23 and 24. It says some teenagers, this is, I love this one. This is a hair thing too, Caden, so hold on to this. And all you kids listen to me right now. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 23 and 24 says some teenagers were making fun of him because he was bald. <laughs> I ain't making this up. This is right in the scriptures. And listen, with a word, he cursed them and two female bears mauled them. Forty-two of them died. How many you got in your youth group? About 42? I don't know. What's it. I'm just saying. 
Elisha was used to speaking a word, sending a staff, throwing salt in the water. He was used to these instant miracles. Maybe, just maybe, God was saying, you're getting too big for your own britches. Maybe. And britches is a word we use in the country for pants, okay? <laughs> My neighbors say, you better come on over and loosen up them britches and eat some biscuits. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'll wear my stretchy pants. (laughs) Elijah was used to speaking, striking, casting, cursing, and things happened. The miraculous happened. And how many of you have seen God do something miraculous in your life or in your ministry? And I will tell you, I've seen so much of it, I could easily fall into that trap that Elijah's seen. I could easily just get content and say, you know, God's just going to do this. And that's not necessarily a bad thing to say. But we got to remember God's doing it, not us. we got to remember every pat on your back is for God, not for you. Every high praise is for God. They're going to they're gonna, uh, talk about our, our, our volunteers tonight, and they're going to applaud them, and they're going to appreciate them, and they should. But if you're sitting out there and you're a part of this amazing church and this staff and these volunteers, don't let the head get too big, all right? Don't be Evan on the screen. I'm going to title the message, Evan on the Screen. (laughs) See, today's miracle in this story would come behind closed doors. Not by anybody saw you volunteer or anybody saw you do anything, but because it needed to be, I think Elijah needed a little reminder from God. All, all your little your tricks and things I gave you, your little trick bag I gave you and all that kind of stuff. You're, when, when you put your name on the bag, that became an issue for me. So I'm going to tell you, I'm the only one that can bring the dead back to life. I'm the only one. Look at verse 33 again. He went to, therefore, shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. And he went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, his hands on his hands, and stretched himself out on the child. And the flesh of the child became warm. And he was healed, right? The flesh of the child became warm. That's got to be it. Elijah must have been saying, this is it. I can feel his flesh getting warm. But then the next verse says, I remind you, and he returned, and he had to walk and pace the room, pace in the house. I believe he was getting nervous. That he had lost his power. That he had lost his ability. He had lost his gift. But again, he stretched himself out on him. He didn't give up. Then he stretched himself out again, and the child sneezed seven times. And the child opened his eyes. Now, Elisha shut the door because he knew that this miracle had to be less about him this time and everything about God. Because if you are a miracle worker, if you have prophesied over someone and that prophecy has come true, if you've set somebody free through a prayer, I want to tell you something. Some of those people that you've helped will tend to look at you as God. They'll tend to give you the praise. And I believe God just had to put him back in his place. Elisha shut the door because he knew that this miracle had to be less about him and his ability and his reputation and everything to do about God. He realized while he was only... There for a season, only there for the prophecies and to be obedient to God and that this child's existence would only come by the breath of life which Elijah did not have the ability to give. 
I remember when we did CPR on the doodle, me and James, and we were doing CPR on him when he, had, when he was out. And I remember saying to God, breathe into him. I remember feeling inadequate that my breath could do nothing. And while he used our breath to do it, it was still the breath of God. Because we don't have breath without God. Keeping things in perspective in your life, even when God has gifted you and shown you so many miracles, keep it in perspective. Shut the door on that. Make sure that you understand that God is God and don't let it get away from you. The staff had no effect, so he laid down eye to eye, mouth to mouth, hand to hand. And when his skin became warm, he did not claim life. He prayed and paced the floor, again laid down his life on the child. And only when God said, sneeze, did life return into the boy. Real life, new life. You see, church, no matter who you are, sometimes your miracle can only come behind shut doors. Only with God, no distractions, no audience. No staff or cloak or salt or bears, just you and God. I'm going to ask Rachel Behrman to come up here just real quick. See, I've known Rachel for probably three to four years. She, she came out and split a rick of wood on my farm. I'm like, who is this girl? She's just up there splitting wood, not complaining. We have an issue with complaining on the farm from some of our folks. <laughs> but he's getting better. Did I just point you out? I think I did. <laughs> Again. See, I've known Rachel for three or four years, but I met her Thursday. What am I saying? I've known this girl. I've seen her. I've seen her in this church, good friends with her parents. I've seen her come out to the farm every time we have a work day and work. I've known her for three or four years, but I met her Thursday when I asked her to come out to the farm and share her heart with us about what it is God's calling her and telling her to do. And, and maybe there would be some kind of fit with our farm that she could come out and work with the kids and those kind of things. And she sat in a circle of complete strangers because none of us had met her yet either. We all knew her, right, family? We all knew her, and we knew of her, but we met her Thursday. And we went around this circle, and everybody was sharing their heart, and all these other uh, young missionaries, there were some other young lady missionaries there, and people were working with, and it got to Rachel, and what she had to share blew me away. And I'm going to ask her to come up for about three or five minutes, whatever it takes her to share with you, because what she's going to say is going to be impactful to your life. I'm excited about what God's doing in the young people in this church and the youth in this church, and this is one of them. Will you make Rachel feel welcome as she comes to share? Yeah, so most of you guys know me because I'm Rachel, and I've been in this church for a while. And actually, I've been in church my entire life because I grew up with parents that said, if your butt's going to be under a roof, your butt's going to be in a pew. So <laughs> um, I grew up in a, in a loving Christian environment, and I was so blessed to grow up with loving parents as well. But how many of you know that even though you have perfect circumstances, it doesn't always mean you have a heart fulfilled because only God can do that. So a lot of you know that I've been doing these uh, missionary schools. In my first school, one of the biggest things that I've learned 
um, was the freedom of being seen by God, right? I had always been seen by people, but I didn't feel like I was seen by people, and I've never felt like I've been loved or accepted by people, even though I was, um, because I wasn't finding it in God. One of my first sermons that I ever gave in a church in Tanzania um, was entitled The Freedom of Being Seen and Known by God. Because, because of God's infinite powers and his infinite wisdom, only he can fully know you, and nobody else can do that. And because um, of God's sacrificial love, no one has ever loved me like he can, so nobody can ever do that. So I lived my entire life being loved by people, but never feeling like I was loved by people because nobody can fully love me or see me like God can. And I was putting that expectation on people. So that was one of the biggest things I learned in my first school. In my second school, um, I learned that God was a pursuer, and he romances people. Um, And nobody can do that like he can. And I just feel like this past year, man, I've never been, never been more content, joyful, and felt like I've been in a place of freedom like I have being seen by God. Um, I, I love one of my favorite songs um, that we sang today, um, that line of, um, oh, what is it? The Here Again, that song um, by Elevation. Love that song. They talk about um, being seen by God, right? Um, I'm not enough until you come. And until you, you learn and, and believe in that principle, but uh, so live by that principle, you're never going to fully live in this place of freedom. Um, and choosing to live by that principle will be the best decision of your life because it has been for me. So, Ladies and gentlemen, meet Rachel Behrman. This is a change and transform young lady who because... She accepted the love of God. Because she accepted being seen by God was enough. She can shut the door on being seen by everybody else. She don't have to worry about you or me or anybody else, whether we love her or whether we don't, or whether we're going to talk about her, no matter what. She has been seen by God, and she can shut the door on that chapter of her life and step into missions or whatever it is God is calling her to do. Well, I wasn't just the only one blown away. The other girls that came said, we like her. Jacqueline met her in the bathroom last Sunday. She had to run back in and get something. And uh, Rachel was in the bathroom. And Jacqueline, we were like, where's Jacqueline? We want to go home. Come on. It's 45 minutes back to the farm. Where's Jacqueline? Everybody waiting on Jacqueline. She comes out and she said, I just talked to Rachel Beerman. And here's what she said. I like her. To me, she was saying, I like her. We need her. That's what she was saying. Because of the transformation, because of what God did in her life. Number two, let me look at my big clock. Okay, I got to get going. Got to get going. Number two, shutting the door on your measure. In 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1, go back to that. Too often we find that even after God has provided, we leave the door open and walk back through it. Instead of shutting it behind us, the issue that God has provided for, we leave the door open as an escape to say, I don't trust God enough. I might have to go back in there. I might have to go back and see if people like me. You don't have to do that anymore because it doesn't matter if they do or don't because God does. 
And sometimes we'll go back in through that open door, accrue more debt after he set us free, expose ourselves to creditors, uh, get ourselves into relationships that he set us free from because we didn't shut that door and lock it behind us. In 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 7, you know this story. Of the woman who had lost her husband. The woman who needed provision. She needed a measure. She needed a miracle. Actually, let's look at verse 1. 2 Kings 4, verse 1. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons as his slaves. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Now get ready, we're going to shut some doors right here. Then he said, go, borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when, you have come into, and when you have come in, you shall shut the door. Everybody say, shut the door. Shut the door with you and your sons. Then pour it into the vessels and set aside full ones. And look what it says in verse 5. So she went from him and shut the door. He, she did what she was told to do. Shut the door behind her and her sons who brought in the vessels. Now it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Now here it is. Then she gave and told the man of God and said, Go, sell the oil. I'm sorry. Then she came and told the man of God, and the man of God told her, Sell the oil, pay your debt, and you and your sons live off the rest. There are three, three components here that, that are important. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to ask God for help. Number two, it's okay to ask people for help if you've asked God for help first. Can I get an amen on that? Don't turn to people before you turn to God. And once help has given you, has been given you, just shut the door on the issue. He said, pay your debt and live off the rent. He had set her up for life. Pay your debt. How many would like to be debt free? Pay your debt. Do what Sherry said. Tithe and give. Why did he tell them to shut the door behind them? Why is it so important? Why is it throughout the scripture, shut the door? In essence, he was saying, I have provided enough for you to be debt free. Pay those who you owe. Live on the rest. God has taken care of your need. God has taken every issue that you have and met it. Because he still wants you to be free. Because he doesn't want anybody to be bound by debt. He wants everybody to invest in, his future, in the future of, of people. He wants you to be set free from the measure of always needing something. I come from working in the inner city, and you, you have to develop this kind of attitude. I can't keep helping you and putting Band-Aids on your situation. We've got to bring healing to this wound so that we can shut the door on that issue. 
And I'll bring the healing through God. But you got to be willing to not call every other church and every other organization and live in this cycle of everybody helping you. Because God wants to meet you where your need is. He doesn't want you to be bound. He wants to heal the wound. We talked about wounds the other night. And wounds never heal because everything keeps brushing up against them. And it's not the thing that's brushing up against them is the problem, right, Sherry? It's the wound that you're holding on to. It's the open wound that's still there. He's bailed us out of bad relationships, and we walk, walk back through that door because we never locked it behind us. We never shut it. We were still bound because we didn't shut the door. We did not trust what God said. She trusted what God said. He's bailed us out of sticky situations with our tongues, but many times we're so bound that we'll walk right back through that door and start gossiping and slandering just like we were before. Oh, yeah, he got us out of that one mess. We walked right back into another. We didn't shut the door behind the issue in our life, which was gossip. And when we don't listen to God and we leave the door open, the creditor will come. The devil doesn't need very much room to get through that door. Can I get an amen? He's like, I'm going to shut this door because Pastor Tim told me to, and the devil sticks his little pointy foot through there. And you're like, oh, it won't shut. You walk away, but he doesn't. He pursues you. The devil only needs to see that you have left the door cracked just a little bit to creep in. And it's time to take the measure that God has given you, the measure from the master, and shut that door and be obedient and let it lock behind you. I don't know if you've ever been in jail ministry or ever been to jail, but man, I have to go through like 10 slamming doors to get to the inmate I want to talk to. And it's an eerie sound, bam, when that door shuts. You know what I know when that happens? I can't go back through there. There's no way for me to go back through there unless someone else allows me to do so. So we shut the door on things like our giving and worship. You know what? Some people are, are scared to worship. I tell you what, you need to get on your knees and lift your hands and come to the altar like we saw today. Declare that you are a worshiper and shut the door on that. See, once you do that for the first time, you know what happens? It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks, right, Rachel? Because I'm a worshiper. I've shut the door on that issue of my life. I've shut the door on the issue of, of tithing. I've shut the door on the issue of studying God's word and praying because I'm now doing it on a regular basis and we can shut that door behind us and it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. I'm a worshiper. I'm a student of God's word. You begin to identify and understand who you are in Christ when you shut the door behind you in the face of greed and pride and envy and prejudice and anger. God has blessed you. Pay your debt and live on the rest. But that won't be the final door you shut. And maybe this is the first of all the doors. Maybe it's the first. I'm going to close with this. Gospel of Luke chapter 13 verse 22. If the worship team wants to come back up. Gospel of Luke chapter 13 verse 22. We've talked about shutting the door on our miracle. We've talked about shutting the door on our measure. But make sure you're in before you shut the door or allow the master to shut that final door. Where are you at with Christ? Here's what I know. I told you I'm excited about our young people. I'm excited about anybody. Listen to me, Pastor Evan. Anybody that will make a soapbox declaration and stand on it and amongst their peers and say, Lord, my heart is yours. 
But I saw your Facebook post. I saw our young people stand on a soapbox in the midst of all their peers. And Evan said, my heart was full. My heart was full. Tears were running down my face as I saw that post. Because these young people made a soapbox declaration. Lord, my heart is yours. And once you have made that declaration, you can shut the door behind you. Never to go back again. And I got excited because I knew. I knew. That they're making a declaration to some of their friends who have not. And that their life clearly shows that they have not made this declaration. See, some of us are living in such a way that we haven't shut the door on anything. So we walk back and forth across this line of being a servant of God and a servant of the world. Back and forth, back and forth. We haven't shut the doors behind us. It doesn't mean you're not tempted to turn, but there's a locked door behind you. And you see it in symbolic, you say, I can't walk back through there. Everything that God has for me is over here. I get excited when I come to this church because I know we're going to worship. And you may see me on the front row yelling the name of Jesus, whatever. I don't care what you think. I don't. Because I've shut the door on the fact that I'm a worshiper. I'm not going back to being lazy in how I worship God. And I'm saying there's not a hundred different ways to worship Him. I'm not saying you have to shout like I do or move or dance or jump up and down like Pastor Rick. I'm not saying you have to do that because people are going to judge you no matter what you do. But it only matters that you're seen by God as a true worshiper. Here's what makes me sad about your friends and any of you that aren't sincere about your walk with God. In the Gospel of Luke, it says this in chapter 13, verse 22. And he went through the cities and the villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Then he told him, Lord, are there few who are saved? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door. Did you hear that? <laughs> One day the master is going to shut the door. Which side are you going to be on? And you begin to stand outside knocking on that door saying, Lord, Lord, open up for us. I went to summer camp three years in a row. Lord, Lord, open up to us. And he will answer you and say to you, I do not know you or where you are from. Lord, I'm from Columbus First Assembly of God. I've been to the altar. I've served. I went out to Blue Tassel and helped. He's going to say, I don't know who you are because you failed to shut the door behind your decision to follow me. Then he will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence. You taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you where you are from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. Wow. It's got to be real. Can't just stand on a soapbox because everybody else is doing it. It's got to be real. And so today I want to do this. If, 
everybody will just stand to their feet. Pastor Rick told me I could do it however I wanted. See, the first door is really the last door. For the last shall be first and the first shall be last. You probably picked up on that. But if you have not made a decision to follow Jesus Christ as your Savior, today's the day to do it, and it's time to shut the door behind it and get serious. Shut the door behind your worship. Shut the door behind your giving. Become that man or woman of God, that teenager for God, that is set apart, that is changed, that is ready to say yes to missions or whatever it is it might be. This former lesbian who said, something's got to change. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And I'm going to ask you to do something. might be weird. probably is going to be weird. These kids inspired me so much. If that's you, and you want to make a declaration to God, I want you to come forward. Make a declaration of any kind. Salvation. I want to be a true worshiper. I want to be a real giver. I want to be committed. Whoever that is, just come forward. Come forward. Stand up here. Thank you. Who else? I want to be a true worshiper. I want to be a man or woman of God. I want to be someone who stands out, not for glory or for fame, but for God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are so grateful, God. We thank you for everything that you've done in our life, for every situation you bailed us out of, and there are many. There are many times that you have bailed us out. There are many times that you protected us when we didn't even know that danger was in the room. But because we trusted you and shut that door, you took care of us. God, let us know that you are real in all power and all authority and all miracles. Every bit of it comes from you and none of it from us but through us, and we are grateful. We are grateful for the measure that you've given us. And God, don't let us go back through that door and pick it up again. But God, we are mostly grateful for your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for us. And you said yourself, there's going to come a day when I have to shut the door. Ladies and gentlemen, wherever you are at today, in the sound of my voice, if you're listening online, listen to me. Make a choice for Jesus today because the door could shut before the day's end. Nobody knows the time or the hour. It could shut today. Make sure you're on the right side of the door. And no matter how you cry after it happens and beat on the door, he will say, I did not know you. Make yourself real to God as he's made himself real to you. In Jesus' name. You've been listening to a message from Columbus First Assembly. We hope that you've been encouraged in your spiritual journey. If you're not part of a local church and would like to attend one of our regular services, our church is located at the corner of 10th and Iowa Street in Columbus, Indiana. Our Sunday morning worship services start at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday evening studies begin at 7 p.m. And while you're online, check out our website at columbusfirstassembly.org for details and information about our church. You will also find other messages and series that you can listen to or download. Thanks for spending some time with us and for taking advantage of this resource from Columbus First Assembly, where we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God.